You walk into this room at your own risk. You are about to participate in a great adventure. You are about to experience the awe and mystery which reaches from the inner mind to the outer limits. That the sons of God saw, the daughters of men, that they were fair, and they took them wives of all which they chose. And I'm here today to tell you that we're actually hacking the software of life. There were giants in the earth in those days, and also after that, when the sons of God came in unto the daughters of men, and they bare children to them, the same became mighty men, which were of old, men of renown. Man, we're in a fight for our lives. The church is being persecuted like it's never been persecuted before. And some churches refuse to even open up, they're so afraid. And it, it, will, it will be biblical. Biblical. We've never lived at a time like we're living in right now. But you know, if God should stamp eternity or even judgment on our eyeballs, or if you like, on the fleshy table of our hearts, I'm quite convinced we'd be a very, very different tribe of people, God's people in the world today. Good morning and welcome to the Removing Confusion Podcast. February the 12th, 2022. We've made it thus far. Amen. Let that play a little bit in the background while we monologue some. This is Saturday, and I decided today's a good day for Saturday Bible study. Why not? Break away from a lot of the garbage of the world. There's a lot of stuff going on out there that really needs to be talked about, and we'll just mention quickly uh, for folks that need to be kept in prayer, the truckers up in Canada and other parts of the world and even down here in the United States who are taking a stand against tyranny. And that's what it is. If you look at what's happening and you listen to what goes on on both sides, the truckers in Canada want to be just left alone, let them drive their truck without a bunch of garbage added to it, a bunch of mandates and problems and and you know do this or do that or you know you're out uh threats of being put in prison whatnot 
they truck driver rebellion protestation whatever you want to call it has taken the mask off of the evil that has been reigning in this nation for quite some time now and that's that's needed that's necessary and it took working class people to do it and that's how that works and that's enough of that keep your eyes on the russian deal supposedly by the 16th vladimir putin is going to invade the ukraine i'm sorry ukraine not the ukraine don't need to call it the there's only one so there you go what we want to talk about today is something that you probably won't hear tomorrow when you go to church unless you go to one of the better ones that are out there what you normally hear is fluffing stuff, stories, a couple of verses of scripture. Uh, you ought to do this, you ought to do that, and walk away. And then, you know, those that say it don't practice it. Um, today, Saturday, the 12th of February, 2022, let's talk about walking our, or living and, and walking our, our Christian walk, our life that we have living it in the presence of God. Act as if we are standing in the very presence of God with everything we do. And as we go through this, I think you'll understand if you're a believer or if you are a nominal believer. This is a, this is a, this is a message for you. And I speak not only to you, I speak to myself. We can all gain a little bit more of a walk with the Lord. The, the words walk with God or walked with God are throughout Scripture. Not only are they flat out spoken, they are also very strongly implied about those who did. And they always are with men who made mistakes as well. See, the thing of it is, is you can walk with God, and when you stumble, you fall, you sin, basically, you know, you're not going to lose what you have as far as your salvation goes. But there's so much more that can be gained that pastors and preachers stay away from when they teach because they don't want people to feel they're being judgmental. They don't want anybody to feel the the pain of searching their souls to see if they could live a better life for Christ. And I, I guarantee you I can. I'm I'm not being self uh, de- degrading in that. It's just that we all have a little bit more room we can use. Now you know I've been shut down more times than I've been pushed up, and I'm good with it because every time it's happened, it's because I'm not afraid to say what God has in this book. And we're going to look at first. Go to Isaiah chapter six. Now Isaiah was was a was a prophet. A preacher, the priest in the temple, and he uh, he woke up one day, went to go do his duties. In Isaiah chapter six. If you're there, if you're not, catch up, get there later, read it. It's interesting what happens to Isaiah. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw also the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up. And his train filled the temple. That doesn't mean he had an actual choo-choo train. His, his uh, presence, his, his 
garments, whatever, filled the temple. And that's a big place too, right? Above it stood the seraphims. Now, they're actually in the King James, it says seraphims. It's, the word seraphim is actually plural in its own. But anyway, above it stood the seraphim. Each one had six wings. With two, it covered his face. With two, it covered his feet. And with the other two, he did fly. And the one cried unto the other and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts, and the whole earth is full of his glory. This was so powerful, it pushed the posts of the doors. The doors moved at the voice of him that, that, that cried, and the house was filled with smoke. Then I said, Woe is me. This is Isaiah, who's been given a chance to see God sitting on throne in a vision in the temple. Woe is me, for I am undone, because I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of people of unclean lips, and mine eyes have seen the King and the Lord of hosts. Then they cleanse his lips with a with a coal from the from the uh, altar. This read that whole chapter; it'll take you no time at all. But we're just skimming. Uh, go down verse number eight. And I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send, and who will go for us? Then said I, Isaiah, here I am, send me. And then verse 10. Make the heart of this people fat, and make their ears heavy, and shut their eyes, lest they see with their eyes, and hear with their ears, and understand with their heart, and convert, and be healed. Now, why do I bring this up? Why, why, why this particular thing? This is seems a bit, you know, this isn't going to happen in the modern day, is it? Probably not. Are you and I going to go to church someday, even as a pastor or a, or a deacon or the music director or whatever you may be? Are you going to walk into your local Baptist, Methodist, uh, what's the old thing that the guy used to say, Methabaptocostal, presby, whatever, church. You know, take your pick. Around here, Quakers as well. So if you, you're you not going to walk in there and, and see the throne of God and he sitting on it, God. And, a, you know, thundering voice and seraphim flying about. <laughs> I don't think you're going to see it. If you do, you, if, you're, if, I was, if it was me, I'd probably have a heart attack and drop dead on sight. But that was not to be for Isaiah. He did see this. Now, we're going to see some things as we go along here that I tried to bring this out in another Bible study I did very recently. You know, like I said, we may never see it. But here's the thing. For those of us who know the Lord, those of us who have been saved, at the moment of your salvation, what happens? Let's go to Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2. That's about dead in the middle of your New Testament. As you flip to the page, or if you're using electronic media, you're probably there already. And we aren't going to sit around, you know, jaw-jacking about it. 
we're going to read some stuff in Ephesians chapter two. Now, this is a very this is a a a, a piece of scripture that I I bounce back to quite often in my own uh, studies in my own life, really, to understand and and gr- get a grasp of it because this is this is so intense. And we're going to start at verse 1, Ephesians chapter 2. And you hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sin, where in time past you walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience, among whom also we all had our conversation in times past in the lusts of the flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. Now, what happens to you when you get saved? However it happens, whether you have a dream in the middle of the night and wake up sweating and you realize at that moment, I'm going to follow Christ. Or you go to church. See, some people don't believe you can do that. It has to happen in church. Or it has to happen one-on-one with someone on the street or whatever. Now, those are great ways. I mean, if you're convicted in those ways, that's fine. But it can happen anywhere because God's will will not be frustrated. When he has chosen you for a reason, and every one of us has been chosen for a reason, it doesn't mean you don't have a chance out there. You know, I'm not going to go all Calvinist on you. And to those of my friends that are Calvinists, I love you. Staunch Calvinists. Now, let's go a little further. Chapter 2 of Ephesians. And we're going to jump in at uh, verse 4 because we left off there. But God, who is rich in mercy for his great love wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ. By grace ye are saved. And hath raised us up together and made us to sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. That's that's where I want to kind of leave off for a second. So what happens when you become a child of God, a child of the king, saved, born again, whatever your church teaches how to say it. When your eyes are opened, well, first of all, you were dead before. You were like the, like I've made the analogy before, of the walking dead. Because you're destined on the other side of salvation, the dark side of it, you were destined for hell. You are destined for the grave. You are destined to not live eternally with Christ, period. Does that mean you are a serial killer or a, or a murderer or some horrible? You know, some people say to me, well, you make it sound like, well, I was just a horrible person before I came to Christ. Well, you were. In God's eyes, you are just as bad as all those people. Sin is sin. Let me tell you something. Sin is sin. 
unsaved people are unsaved people, no matter what they are. You could be the nicest guy alive if you don't have Christ in your heart, if you haven't been saved, if you haven't been born again, if you have not been redeemed by the blood. He looks at you like you're Charles Manson. Sorry, sounds awful, but that's the truth. And we all have to come to that grips with that. So what happens when you get saved? First of all, you're quickened. And what does that mean? That just really means that you were brought from death to life. You were resuscitated. Regenerated. Offered immunity to eternal death. It's not a vaccination either. (laughs) This one works. So you're given life from from the corpse that you were. Really, that's what you were, a corpse. Me, too, we all, before we found God, before he found us, before we were saved, no matter what your soteriology may be, that's your your study and belief of how salvation works, no matter how you want to play that, you were dead, and now you're alive. What does it say in the parable of the uh, prodigal son? Here is my son who was dead and now is alive. That's what he says. Read that. Go find the parable of the prodigal son. All right, so you're a quickened, brought back, and made alive. It's like the the breath of life was breathed back into you, raised up from, from the sin and the muck and the mire and placed where? In heavenly places in Christ Jesus. We become his workmanship. What a wonderful idea, right? For by grace are you saved through faith, and not of yourselves. It is a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. For we are his workmanship, verse 10 of Ephesians 2. We are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God had forth ordained, and we walk in them, that we, that we walk in them. Wherefore, remember that in times past Gentiles in the flesh who are who are who are called uncircumcision by that which is called circumcision in the flesh made by hands. That at that time ye were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. So, you know, without without Christ, you're without God. Without Christ, you are lost. You're floundering. You may feel like your life is so much on track, but it's not. It's on track, all right, but it's a track that goes way down. But now in Christ Jesus, verse 13, but now in Christ Jesus, ye who sometimes were far off are made nigh by the blood of Christ. For he is our peace, who hath made both one and hath broken down the middle wall 
of partition between us. Having abolished the, in his flesh the enemy. Now, he seated us in heavenly places. Now, why did I read Isaiah first? Because Isaiah saw God for face to face, really, in a vision, however that worked. He saw a very real vision of God, and it blew his mind. I mean, he, he was like, I, I, I can't, why, why me? You know, I'm, I'm, a, I'm not clean. I'm an unclean man of unclean lips. God cleansed him and sent him out to do his jobs, his work. Not do God's job, but to do the work that God calls every one of us to do. First and foremost is to walk the way that that Christ walks. He wants us to walk in that path and to stay on that path like the pilgrim's progress. I bring it up all the time. And the pilgrim fell and flopped and had problems along the way as well, didn't he? Go to Hebrews 4 while I speak. Now, he seated us in heavenly places. So see, at salvation, we have something that even though Isaiah has this wonderful beautiful and terrifying vision. When we get saved, we have something even more so. What what Isaiah saw on the outside of him, we have come to the inside of us. There's books going around that say the Holy Spirit does not live within the believer. They are false. Whoever's writing them, who's ever promoting them, stop it because they're lies. The Bible is replete, the New Testament, with speaking about the Holy Spirit which dwells within you. Christ who has now come to live within you. I go to, so that the comforter can come, Jesus said. So we have something that Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, all of them really never experienced they only saw Christ or God on the outside. And they were, they were, trust me, they were humbled by this. They were brought low. If they thought they were getting ahead of themselves, God whoop, knocked them right off that pedestal. God has taken us and come to dwell with us, in us. Therefore, we have something that Isaiah never had the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. He has taken us and placed us in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. It's like we've, we're on the throne, but we're, I mean, trust me, when I say that, I don't mean that you have the power of God. We have the ability to speak directly to God. Hebrew, Hebrews chapter 4, remember I told you to go there so that we could, you know, kind of, Talk about this for a minute. And let's start at verse number 15 for sake of time. For we have not an high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like us, or like as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Now, I've heard a lot of guys use that verse and say, we can come boldly before the throne of God. Well, you can for grace. Don't overplay yourself, preacher. 
especially the charismatics. Uh, they get a little, they get a little wrapped around the axles on this, and they think that you know I can boldly come before the king. Now I'm going to tell you something. I saw a movie. I, I got it downstairs that picked up the library. It's called John Adams. It's a really good uh, historical document they put together. It's a dramatized life of John Adams, and uh, there's one point where he goes to see King George, and they prep him before he goes in. You walk so many steps, you bow you walk so many steps you like curtsy kind of thing you go to the left then you come back to the right then you come this way and it's a it's this whole thing that you go through before you come before the king face to face and state your case and if you don't do it right he won't hear you now our god is a little less stringent on that i think perhaps we can come boldly before the gro- the throne before the throne of grace asking for mercy and we can do that inter- as an intercessor as well uh i know some folks right now going through some tough times you know from uh post surgery uh post covid um just illness and sickness and and some that have lost loved ones and they need they they, sometimes they don't have the strength on their own to to go boldly before that throne of grace or they don't know about how to do that or whatever it may be and they need thus the intercessors to hold them up and there's guys out there doing wonderful work in the name of god every day that need intercessors behind them and sometimes that is the ministry that god god calls us to is to be intercessors and we you know to understand that ezekiel it says to you know we, we need someone to stand in the gap and that's what we need to do stand in the gap for those that are struggling at this point in time for whatever reason Pray for those truckers up in Canada and all around, all around the world. Those guys do a job that not many people can handle. First of all, they're driving a great big truck. I love trucks. I used to drive truck myself, military and elsewise, and I loved it. <clears throat> but, uh, you know, it wasn't the life for me. I like to be at home at night. Those guys, they know somebody has to do it, and they do it well. They deliver the goods when they need to and uh, pray for them. Because they're under a lot of stuff. There's pressure coming. And I don't know what's going to happen. I'm not a prophet in that regard. But I can tell you this right now. We are looking at something very serious. Go over to Romans 8. While I blather about. In uh, that verse I just read in Hebrews. You know, we have access. We have access to the throne of God. We have access to the Father through Jesus Christ, not through Mary, not through uh, the priest or the prophets or the pastor or whatever. You don't have to go to them. You know, that's that's the whole thing. Now, you know, maybe you need counseling. You can go to them, but you don't need them. Your prayers go to the Father. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. And you end it with, in the name of Jesus. Jesus is your intercessor, no one else. 
No one stands better in that gap between you and the Father than Jesus. He is the one who holds it all together. Read Colossians. That will blow your mind, too. But we're on a different track today of walking in the path that God wants us to be walking. He says, it says over and over again, walked with God, walk with God, walk with God. And you know, when you bring it up in certain places in certain churches, man, you're going to get, you're going to get your head handed to you or they'll say, you're not preaching here anymore. You just, you just don't have the right. You, you're, you're too biblical or you're, you know, you're, you're too far over people's heads and you, you don't, people don't want to hear this stuff. They want, they want stories and fluff and junk. No, they don't. They really don't. You talk to the right people and they're going to say, really been hungry for what you're saying for a long time. And it's not me. Holy Spirit speaks through those who will allow him to do the work. You know, in First John, it talks very straight up and straightforward about not living in sin. Now that we love to say, oh, I'm a sinner saved by grace. Yes, you are. Once you're saved, then you should be a little bit more cognizant of your sins. That means recognize them, see them for what they are and not do them. You know, and yeah, hey, I do them all the time. I slip, my mouth gets ahead of me. I say things I shouldn't, blah, blah, blah. We all do, and I don't need to give you all a list of my failings. But what John says in 1 John is don't practice sin. Don't practice it. Don't don't get so happy with sin. I've used the analogy of, you know, I like soccer, used to anyway, until it got woke. But, uh, you know, the, the rules of the game are, are, are what I'm after here is, you know, in, in, in the professional game, I imagine I, I haven't watched much high school, but when you have a penalty, when you've done something bad, the referee pulls a can of shaving cream out of his back pocket and makes a temporary line, and the defender's, can only get to that line. And, of course, there's a little place where the ball goes over here, and the offense guy, the offense guy, can place the ball anywhere within that little half circle or whatever. They always go as far as they can. They put that ball so it's, you know, half and half on the line. The guys on the other side, they're behind the line, but it's only their heels behind the line. We sometimes live our lives the same way. That shaving cream line that's been laid down, which isn't a, in our case is not shaving cream. It's not temporary. There's a big, bold, black line that God places down and says, don't cross this line. And the devil comes along and he says, hath God said, did God say that really? Is that what he meant? He questions God. He gets you and I to question God so that we try to get as far up to the line. Oh, let me get up there and see just what it is that's up there. Let me see that line that God's put down. I want to I know what's there. You know, instead of saying, hey, man, that thing's 
over there and I'm staying as far away from it as I can get. No, I'm going to see how close I can get. I'm going to get my toes on the line. Oh, yeah, well, the the rules, you know, that I read say I can as long as the heel of my foot is on this side, I'm still good. You know how easy it is to flop over onto the other side when you get that close. Trust me, it's easy. It happens all the time, doesn't it? Be truthful with yourself, even if you don't want to be with anybody else. Because I'm going to tell you something. As we learn today, so far, God sees it all. We can't trick him. We can't lie to him. Well, we can lie to him, right? I can retract that statement. But it doesn't do any good because he actually knows what we thought. He knows what we allowed our eyes to see or our minds to venture into. I'm going to tell you something. You can't get to that point of of, uh, distancing yourself from the line that's been drawn unless you're putting a lot of prayer into it, a lot of Bible study, a lot of thought on, on God, keeping your, your thoughts there, right? Keeping your thoughts where they belong and not how close can I get to that thing before it really, you know, it's, and it, I'm telling you, it's so simple. It's so easy. I don't care what it is. Gossip, porno, violence, death, destruction, the whole nine, whatever it is. How close can I get to this thing before it consumes me and then i have to go back to god and say i'm so sorry you know we we got to get to the point where we walk enough with the lord that we don't have to worry about constantly failing him and you know we always will we'll we'll, we'll do things that we shouldn't do or think things we shouldn't think it's just human nature folks don't think i'm telling you're on your way to hell you know, we, we reap what we sow. I heard a guy doing that the other day. Did a very good job on sowing and reaping. Reaping, R-E-A-P-ing. Because, look, you put out good seeds and you will sow. You will go out and harvest good food or good works in this case is what God's saying. You sow good things into people's lives. And that's not always easy because when you start talking about Jesus, you start talking about religion or God or the Bible, a lot of people just don't want to hear it. And they look at that as being negative, even though what it is the most positive thing that you can do to somebody or with somebody. They don't want to hear it. To those, you just have to walk away and pray. Now, look here. Here's where we're sitting. I've said a lot here to say this. Live your life to an audience of one. God is our audience of one. He's watching you. You know, this life is your chance to live it the way that it needs to be lived. And God knows. He sees. He understands. We have not a high priest who doesn't know how we get tempted. He doesn't know about the infirmities. He felt them too. He felt the itches, the scratches, the aches, the pains, the tears. 
He cried openly at the, at the tomb of Lazarus. And there's a whole long teaching we can go into about that one. Was he crying just for Lazarus? Yes. Was he crying for a lot of other things? I believe so. And I think I've done it already, but I'll probably do it again because I'm getting old and forgetful, and it's my show. I get away with a lot of stuff. But look, look, folks, here's the thing. You know, we can't be like others that say, oh, we put this God of ours on such a pedestal. You know, he doesn't really understand sin. He, you know, that's why you, you can come back as a bug or something. Oh, it's a bunch of garbage, Buddhas and all that. But uh, we have a high priest. We have a God. We have the Son of God, Jesus Christ. He came and lived a life here and died a horrific and painful death, something that most of us will never feel. But yet I see it all the time. Listen to me. If you're young and in reasonable health, or if you're getting a little bit older and still, yeah, I got some problems, but I'm still able to get around, thank him for that and pray now, pray now and pray often that he holds you up in the time when you need him most. You know, we, well, which I'll tell you, we need him all the time, right? But when you get older and things stop working like they used to, your legs hurt more, your feet hurt more, you're diabetic or your, your eyes are going south, you have a heart attack, you have a stroke. Once you, that happens, sometimes it's too late to get the strength to get through it. You're just really going to have to, you have to learn fast and hard how to lean into God and have him pull you through. I'm saying be ready for it. Let's like I tell you to be prepared for anything. Have food, have your spiritual house in order. I say that often and I'm going to explain it a little bit better right now by saying this. Be prepared spiritually for things that can happen to you in this body that we have. We don't know often when something debilitating is on its way, a stroke, a heart attack, cancer. Those things are the big ones. Those, those hurt bad. Those, those hit you right where you live, they say, because they take some of your mobility and your freedom away from you. But we have to be prepared ahead of time, spiritually prepared ahead of time. See, you don't hear that in church too often. I don't. Being spiritually prepared ahead of time for when disaster happens. And then you can go through it calmly. Yes, it will be painful. Yes, it will be something that comes to the forefront of your mind probably quite often. But it's easier to face when you know that God is with you. Remember the old footsteps there was two sets of footsteps, and there was one, and he said, yeah, why'd you leave me? And he said, I didn't. I picked you up and carried you through the storms of your life. You didn't need to worry about walking on your own. Jesus says, I will do it for you. I'll make sure that you make it through those hard times. <sighs> Goodness gracious. First Peter 5, 6 says, you know, we need to be humble under the mighty hand of God. James 4.10, humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord. 
you know, those are just a couple of things I threw out there, top of the head, scribbled on a piece of paper here. Because they're important. Folks, they're important. That we learn humility. And not to just so you say, oh, I'm humble. <laughs> if you're if you're going around telling people you're humble, you probably are not. But we have to learn humility sometimes, and, it, and that comes through those trials, tribulations, and pain, those bad reports. Let's read something. That song I was playing, Who Goes Before Us? You know, that's from a psalm, I believe. But also, if you read what we're going to read right here in Romans chapter 8, I think I said to go there before I rambled off. There's just a lot that can be said about walking with God or walking with the knowledge in your own head, with the presence of mind that you're not just walking along and nobody really knows what you're doing. Nobody really sees what you're up to. You walk, God's always there, friend. He's always watching you. He knows, and me, you know, <laughs> oftentimes a preacher will say, watching you. It's like he's not watching him. He's got his eyes everywhere. His eyes go around to, to the whole world. He sees, he knows, he judges. And he is the righteous judge, I've said before. Okie dokie. Romans eight thirty five. Romans 8, 35. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, distress, persecution, or famine, nakedness, or peril, or sword? As it is written, for thy sake, we are killed all the day long. We, have, we are counted as sheep for the slaughter. Let me tell you something. You hear about, we're not going to go through anything rough. We're not, you know, there's a guy I talk he, well, I'm talking about the hail and the fire and the brimstone and all that. You know, he thinks the tribulation is just that. The tribulation's a lot of stuff leading to that. There's the wrath of Satan because he knows his time is short. He's been cast to the earth. His time is short, and he goes down in wrath. And then there's the wrath of God. See, being able to separate the two. You, Christian, will not face the wrath of God. I firmly believe that. Understand and learn that. But Satan has always, always, always targeted the church, the real church, those of us in the church who are trying to live a life in the presence of God. As it is written, for thy sake we are killed all the day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Nay, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. That is verse number 36 of and 37 of Romans 8. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature, shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. And the end of that chapter. What did he say? Nothing, not even angels, principalities, or powers can separate us from 
the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Those are strong words to live by. Those are things that we need to get burnt into our head. It says, you know, sear your mind with things like that. You, know, you don't want to have your conscience seared like it says in Second Timothy. Seared with a hot iron so that you don't, you know, blinded to God's love and God's light. The devil can do that to you. But he's constantly got a target on your back. You know, if you're living nominally as a Christian, your target might be a little bit bigger. It's easier to hit. Is that the right way to put that? I'm 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 flying it by the by the seat of my pants here. I think I had a point there that I lost. Let's just back off that one for a minute. If you're living nominally, you probably don't have much of a target. That's probably a better way to put it. You know, he's not more. He's not so interested in you because you're you're just there. You're lukewarm. You know, read read the the second chapter of Revelation. I keep wanting to get into a little bit more Revelation, and I'm going to soon. But it's got to be to the point where we can do it and understand it. But there's that line there, like I just said, the Church of Laodicea, which is the church age we are in now. Where if ever there was a lukewarm phase in the church, it's now. You know, go to a church these days, and there's hardly anybody there. A lot of times, that's not the people's fault. They've gone on to the big churches. And they've done that because, you know, there's programs, there's this, there's that, or the other. Maybe the preacher is actually halfway decent. And the other churches are failing because they have tired old men who just don't want to give up their their little happy spot. They think they're so wonderful, and they're not. There's some old guys I really like. And there's some that are just doing it because their pride won't let them do anything else. That is the wrong reason to preach. That is the wrong reason to get up on a Sunday or Wednesday, whenever you do, and do whatever it is you're doing, just so you can get aggrandizement from your fellow man. You should be breaking hearts, really. You should be getting people thinking. Get them accustomed to what is on its way. Get them knowledgeable about what is on its way. Some of it's already here. The evil that's broken loose all around us is already doing it on a scale like we've never seen before. And like I said at the top, these truck drivers are unmasking the evil in these politicians, trust me, when you see a politician like Trudeau, Biden, even Putin, all these guys, they are just the flesh suit of something evil behind it. Do you get what I'm saying? Do you understand me? They aren't walking with God. And you can see that with some of the preachers that are out there. Some of them have already fallen and fallen hard. Hillsong, for one, fallen hard. And both 
the uh, Australian and the New York church blasted to pieces just about. Oh, they're still you know out there. But they're falling because they allowed an entity, not the Holy Spirit. Because we'll get to say, well, the Holy Spirit's an entity. No, the Holy Spirit's God who lives within you. These people have allowed some entity to take control of them to a certain degree. And that entity is not good. When it comes to politicians, there are very few who are not controlled by some entity, some evil that maybe it lets them alone for a little while, then it, they come back like the lion look, seeking whom he may devour. Now, that sounds like scary, stupid talk, but let me tell you something. Walk with God. Walk and live your life as if every word you utter, like, uh, Tom, you, you need to hear this, Tom, talking to myself. Every word you utter, every thought you have, everything you do should be done as if God is there because he is. You are in the presence of God 24-7, 365, right? I want to thank you for being with me today. Just stay into the Bible for a change. And uh, we're going to do more of that because I'll tell you, I really, this is my this is my lane. I, I can do political and news-oriented things as well. The Bible's my lane, and that's where I like to be. Till next time, it's Tom Richardson removing confusion, and I believe that's the best I can do. I hope I didn't confuse you today. If I did, let me know and we'll straighten it out. Till next time, goodbye.